What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the FanRag Sports Premier League podcast. My name is Sebastian Noren. With me is Elliot Niblock and Pauli Costell. We're going to take a little quick look here at the League Cup, the Carabao Cup. And then we'll talk about some other things going on around the Premier League. And then it's scoring predictions time. So Fast and Furious episode here today. I can't say Fast and Furious, right? There's no trademark or copyright on that. <laughs> I mean, there's so many of them now that they can't keep up. That like you, They're probably, at this point, the first one is the equivalent of like novels published at the end of the 19th century. It's in the public domain. Okay. Well, I, panicked, I panicked today when I saw a tweet that said Justin Lin is in uh negotiations to direct the final two movies now don't get me wrong justin lynn the best director uh um, forgive me for donald trumping this he is the best director for fast and furious no one directs fast and furious better than justin lynn uh but i panicked when i said whoa final two and then i clicked on the article and it said likely the final two and then i was like all right so there is hope that we're gonna get at least more than two well at least two and then maybe more but it could be a decalogue Paul Walker passed away, and now all the actors hate each other. Yeah. When do we get Tokyo Drift 2? Oh, we're never getting Tokyo Drift 2. Tokyo Drifter? Tokyo Driftier? Yeah. We're never getting Tokyo Drift. That (laughs) is the Rocky Five of the franchise. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. Well, let's move away from movies and into some football. And we have the League Cup here midweek. And, yeah, we had a hard time getting excited for this, you and I, Polly. Uh, Elliot, how how was your excitement level heading into the Carabao Cup? I mean, it, boy, if you could if you could plot out on a you know a flowchart my emotions through this game, it would be a wild roller coaster. I mean, I I always like seeing the kids come out though. Is the thing I just I didn't expect to end up being furious and then see one of those kids come off the bench and steal the show. So. Yeah, so two goals by Edward Enkitea. Not Edward, Eddie. It's it's Eddie. Okay, Eddie. <laughs> He's a child, Seb. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, Eddie Plus, boy. I mean, once you hear the fans Little chant Eddie. your name Eddie, I think he'll be Eddie for the rest of his career. But okay. we'll see. Yeah, so know. Little Eddie, 18 years old, <laughs> born in 1999. God, makes me feel old. Um so yeah, two to one win after extra time over Norwich for Arsenal. United took a two nothing. Wait, they win still play extra Swansea. time in this tournament? Yeah, and they I do the they... ABBA penalty shootout. Didn't you see the city frustrating win over Wolves? Mm-hmm. I, all right. So full disclosure, uh, I like had the United game on, but I was so swamped with work that I barely like I saw the two Lingard goals, but barely saw any of this match. And Wednesday, I got to watch a little bit more. I put the Chelsea game on because I only was able to watch the second half. So I put the Chelsea game on thinking that was going to be a closer affair than the Tottenham game. And it, it actually delivered from an entertainment standpoint. Like the second half was entertaining, uh, more entertaining than you would think a team as crap as Everton right now is against a team as pretty good as Chelsea is. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did not know that Tottenham blew their 2-0 lead until I got into work this morning. Oh, yeah. So that's, that is how much attention – like, that's how much how busy I've been over the last few days and how much attention I've paid to the Carabao Cup. Yeah, so like we said, their 2-0 win for United Lingard with both goals and a Martial and Rashford starting up front together. Yeah, 
Well, and also, and to the point that I wanted to make is, I thought that they, this going into this season, switched it so that we got rid of extra time and we're just going straight to penalties. Or is that like, is that something that they only did in the FA Cup? Or did they, geez, these are normally things I'm very on top of. The yeah, FA I, Cup, they got rid of replays like in the quarterfinals. You're making things more complicated. <laughs> to be fair, there's nothing more complicated than a League Cup when it's like X amount of teams start in the first round and then like a couple of teams come in in the second round, but a couple of teams get buys. The, F- the League Cup is so complicated to begin with. It's- it is. Yes. But as a quick point before we move on from this game, though, uh, we suggested going with the back three with Lindelof, Smalling, and Tuan Sebe. And hey, guess what? They started. Oh, he put he listened to the show. Yeah. Jose listened to the show and played everybody that we said that they should play except for Luke Shaw. <laughs> yeah. Literally and and like Elliot, you missed the show, but Seb and I sat there and we said, This is the team they should play. Like he should play. He's not going to play it, but it's the team he should play. And he actually went out there and played it. And guess what? Like like I just I don't understand why he only thinks Rashford could play strike league cup. Like you could do that in a regular game too, and maybe rest your injured striker and Romelu Lukaku. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see how they line up against Tottenham here, but uh, other noteworthy result, Bristol took a 4-1 to win over Crystal Palace. Um, you know, we sort of called that one too. That was the one upset we didn't really call an upset. And then, like you said, Spurs dropping a 2 nothing lead to West Ham. Uh, Sissoko and Deli Ali scored in the first half, and then two goals by Andre Ayew and one from Ogbonna flipped the tide for the hammers in that one so um looking at your quarterfinals we should say chelsea won well, we need to, wait, hold on hold yes. on hold on hold on hold on because because yes, yes. we can't just brush over that that's a really oh, bad can't? result no that's a really bad result for spurs yeah and, it is and to, yeah like elliot's laughing because of course you're reveling in it like do you remember a couple years ago um when Spurs and Arsenal played in like the first quote first round, I like I mean like the September one when yes, Premier League no, I, I, I remember the match and, very well. And it was the like two Flamini fucking scored a scream. Yeah, surprise. Yeah, <laughs> and it was and it was like all kids from both teams, and it was just like cool. We beat Spurs, but like who really cares? This is not the same thing, <laughs> and. There, it's this is the same, and I had the same argument with my friend today that I have every single goddamn years. This was a bad result for Spurs. First of all, anytime that you that you blow a two 0 halftime win against West Ham, that is bad. But I actually like my friends, and it's it's again, and from what I saw from my friends that live in London, they were mad about this result, and they should be. Yeah, from well, what I saw. Yeah. About, I, I think the folks who actually live in London feel the London derbies a little more, you know, beyond the classic rivalries of Arsenal Spurs, right? Like, you know, I, I, I agree it, with you. I agree with like, you, but I don't think. Like, I agree with you, but I don't think that's what they were mad about. I think they were mad that Spurs lost in round cup, and they should be. And my friends in America and the people that I saw on on Twitter from America, well, you know, I saw a tweet today that said from a Spurs fan that was just like how to succeed in in the Carabao Cup is let the other team score more goals than you. Don't play more Carabao Cup games. And I was just like, you're an idiot. Like, I'm not here to sit there and say the Carabao Cup is a prestigious tournament or it's the priority that you should win. You know, I will 
I will be the first one to say for any team in the top seven of England, it should be the fifth priority. You know, you have the league, you have the Champions League, you have the FA Cup. And if you're in the Europa League, that's a bigger deal than the League Cup. No one's going to argue against that. But a trophy is a trophy. And Spurs are in the weirdest position because of the way their team is structured that they need to win one. And, like, even – so, no – like I said, like, you know, if you win the Champions League, you could sit there and go, this is a great accomplishment, mission accomplished, like, we just got the ultimate prize. If you win the FA Cup, you could be like, this is a great accomplishment, this is a very prestigious trophy, it's the oldest trophy in team sports – Great job. No one ever says that about the Carabao Cup no. or the, I'm sorry, the League Cup. <laughs> the but League what Cup. they do say, what they do say is, hey, this is a great accomplishment. It's always great to win a trophy. And this is a building block. We can use this to build onto something. And that is exactly what Spurs need because they have this team that is severely, in fact, criminally underpaid. And eventually, we all know it, eventually they either have to pay these players or they are going to leave. Kyle Walker left. Now, maybe you pay them and they'll stay, but eventually the te- these players, if they have any ambition at all, are going to want to win trophies. Yeah. And starting out with the Carabao Cup, that's a good starting point because if you win the Carabao Cup and next year you win the FA Cup, you're already looking at the most successful time in Spurs history in the history. past 30 yeah. years. And at a, at a certain point, you want to look back at the Harry Kane, Deli Ali era and say, you know what? Like, we may not have won the league. We may not have won the Champions League. We won four trophies, though. That's a lot better than saying, hey, remember the time Harry Kane and Deli Ali played for us and we finished second a few times? Yeah, that is very, very true. So we'll see if they uh, do better in the FA Cup. With that, we'll move on. And we got news yesterday that uh, Leicester hired Claude Puel as their new manager. He signed a three, uh, roughly a three-year deal, two and a half, valid until June 2020. Uh, last time we saw Puel was in charge of Southampton, where he was for a little bit under a year. He took Southampton to the League Cup final, and uh, they, they ended in eighth place in the Premier League. Um they did have 17 fewer points than what they did under Kuman, um, but at the same time, I feel like he was harshly done there by the Southampton board. Yes, their defense wasn't awesome, but at the same time, as we spoke about last episode too, Paul, the just the uh, the unreasonable expectations that come from some teams when you end up finishing in like an eighth place or something like that. Yeah, it's it the, the old, not the old saying, but a saying I heard a few years ago is like, if you're a new manager in the Premier League, it's don't be too good at your job too soon. Yeah, you ra- race expectations <laughs> too much. Wenger, then it lasts forever. <laughs> well, he wasn't too good too soon. He he came in, he did well, did well, did well. Then he won the league, and then and he won a bunch. And you know, for the first ten years, he was winning trophies almost every year. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> But, but that's but not yes. too. That's not too well too soon. Too well too soon is Brandon Rogers finishing like second or whatever he finished second or third in year one, and then it's like year two you crash back down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of this uh, appointment though? For Lester or yes, thoughts on Puel as a manager. 
I'm I'm confused, but like then again, the Claudio Ranieri appointment confused everyone. Mm-hmm. I think I think Poole's the guy that can bring new ideas to a team that kind of doesn't really respond to new ideas. It's it's a they're a very straightforward and direct team, and it'll be interesting to see how they adapt to someone new. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, he's he's a manager with a, a decent pedigree. I mean, I don't like. I I tell you what. He's better than Big Sam. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, Big well, Sam. He, Big Sam's got his eyes on that U.S. job. Yeah, I mean, God forbid that he live more than a year and a half between taking a freaking bribe and getting another international managerial position. Well, he's not. He's not not set in stone yet. So, pump the brakes. I know, I know, but it just I'm. Uh, this is me pumping the brakes. Believe me, the takes would be hotter if this was actually happening. Oh, that would be hilarious and sad. I'm still. That, I'm you know, st- you saying that's hilarious means that I think that we should revoke your citizenship and be careful because this is, for better or worse, or even worse or tragically awful, Trump's America. Yeah, let's bring in Sven. <laughs> it's funny because Elliot's the most liberal of, of us yeah. all. Bring it, bring he's in the Sven. One going, well, let's, let's revoke your citizenship. I, yeah. I did say we'll hold off on this until November, until the international break in like two weeks, but I'm still confused whether it would be a good move or a bad move. Sven is available. I'm just saying. All right, that might get your citizenship revoked. <laughs> <laughs> he would love it. He would. Put his base in L.A. or something. He would love it. So, yeah. So, Claude Puel going in with Leicester. We'll see what he can do. Then, uh, Mike Ashley is looking to sell Newcastle. Looks like there's a couple of uh, interested parties. Although, we're probably a ways away from an actual bid. Uh, apparently, he's looking for somewhere between 350 and 400 million pounds. Uh, which seems fairly steep. Wait, I heard 380. <laughs> I heard 380. He wants to like recoup his loss. I'm so confused because they've wanted him to sell the team for years, and he's been such a stubborn prick about it. And all of a sudden now he's like, "Wait, I want to sell this, and I want to get it done right now." Yeah, that that is weird. I mean, he only paid 134 somebody, for it. I don't know. Maybe somebody scuttled one of his yachts in the South Pacific. I was gonna, no, I'm gonna. I was gonna say he's like some scandal is about to be uncovered. Yeah. Well, I mean, he said himself, though, that he's not super cash flush, and that's why he, you know, reluctant to spend a bunch of money on players. So Also, I mean, <laughs> not super cash flush in this world means that you might have to go down to one jet and it might not be able to fly transatlantic. Mm, maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if anything Whatever, gets do done there. in England, you don't need to fly far. True. Okay, <laughs> yeah. it's break time, so stick around. We'll be right back. Okay, and before we get into our scoring predictions, we have to talk about what happened at the Arsenal shareholders meeting. Uh, Elliot, do you want to lay down what happened here? I mean, I will, uh, obviously I wasn't there. Um, for those of you who are familiar with Tim Stillman. You were, wait, you weren't at the board meeting? Shocking, shocked. right? Till, well, so Tim Stillman was there and he wrote a fantastic, uh, fantastic summary of it. Um, it's, it's, it's sad, really. I, I mean, it, he, he broke it down into the good, the bad and the ugly. And I think that focusing on the good is, uh, Really glass half full on this one. I mean, the, we don't care about that. We want the bad and the ugly, please. Yeah, of course you do. Uh, I mean, there were so Sir Chips Keswick is the 
the board president, and he and Josh Kroenke, talk about nepotism, Stan Kroenke's son, were being reelected, right? And the the minority shareholders have a say in this, and they can just kind of usher it through unless by a show of hands there is a clear dissent, and there was a clear dissent for both of them, which everyone there knew because 97% ownership already voted to reinstate them. So this was merely a symbolic gesture, and yet everyone there, not everyone, you know, the vast majority, however, of the minority shareholders at the AGM raised their hands and said, no, we dissent. We don't think they should be reelected. We know that you have 97%, and it doesn't matter, but we're willing to spend an hour of our lives just standing here, checking these boxes, having you count them to make that symbolic gesture. But that wasn't even the worst part. The worst part, which is certainly the most soap opera-esque of all of it, was when Sir Chips was asked during the question and answer that I think maybe the most poignant Who? was... Sir Chips. Sir Chips, Keswick. He's a... It doesn't matter. He, the word does, press. It doesn't matter. That's an A-plus name. That's an A-plus-plus <laughs> name. A, okay, A-plus name. D minus chairman. I don't care. You do not get more British than that name. Uh, but the, the I think probably the most poignant moment was when this woman said that she, you know, she's held these handful of shares in her family for the better part of half a century. And she said, where's the diversity on the board, right? Like she's not even calling out Wenger particularly, but she's saying, I come here every year. I suggest there needs to be more diversity on the board in terms of gender and like race representation. And there's not, and you always say it's something we're looking into and chips didn't even bother to answer. He just said, next question. And then that led to a whole kerfluffle with shouts of resign. And then Ivan Gazidis comes in and says, stop shouting. And everybody starts shouting. Well, answer the freaking question. Then it was, I mean, it devolved into uh, such the, here is the apex of this that Sir Chips said when questioned explicitly why is Stan Kroenke not going to address us Sir Chips said quote that is not on the agenda sorry you can read today's daily telegraph if you want to know mm. then he walks off and says write in if you have a problem walking away to a cascade of booze well, there you have it. All is not well in Arsenal land. It's I just I, mean, I, I just texted you guys this. All I'm gonna say is Sir Chips. Someone with the name Sir Chips sounds like a guy who a, an 80 year old man who smokes a pipe. And if he's not, please don't tell me otherwise. And this seems exactly <laughs> like the kind of move that would come from that kind of man. Yeah, it's the the kind of the Sir from England who just like really misses the good old days of the Empire. Mm. Yep, there we go. You say good old days of the Empire, I'd say good old days of what Donald Trump wants to bring back. Well, yeah, that's what I mean, is that you're missing the days in which you could write the Indian penal code for yourselves because it was the British Raj. Mm. So let's move on here. One marquee matchup over the weekend here in the Premier League. That's Manchester United taking on Tottenham at Old Trafford. And, uh, you know, we're... Paulie, are we going to read into the League Cup win for United and the loss for Spurs? Or no, it doesn't matter at all. Ha! 
That's really all I got. Ha! Ha! Um, I mean, we, can keep, we can keep talking about classism in England if you want, but I mean, <laughs> I'd rather know, hear your thoughts. It, you know, I mean, no, we're not going to read into. We're not going to read into the win. We're not going to read into the loss. Why, you know, different teams and everything. Phil Jones might be back for United, which is a good thing, um, I guess, because as much as we said Lindelof has to go right back out there on in the in the League Cup, he doesn't have to go right back out there against Spurs. Mm-hmm. Harry Kane might be hurt. Um, no, he is hurt. Right, he is hurt. He might not play. He mm-hmm. shouldn't play. Um, he, he really shouldn't play. And Ander Herrera is apparently hurt, but apparently he might be able to go. He's probably not going to be 100%. And here's a a wild thought, Jose. Just don't start him. You know, start (laughs) McTominay. Like, the Onda Herrera, we we talked about this last last show. The Onda Herrera-Nemanja Matic partnership isn't working yet. Does that mean it'll never work? No, but right now it's not working. And just don't force it upon us if you don't have to. And definitely don't force it upon us if... One of the parties isn't 100%. And uh, I guess Lukaku's going to come back in. He's not 100%. It, it could get ugly. If I were Spurs, I would – and I don't want to, you know, get too far back onto it, but to go back to that League Cup thing is one of my friends said to me today was uh, I'd rather have lost the League Cup and get three points at Old Trafford. And I went, no, well, that's dumb because right now, like, we're even on points and and – a win is obviously a big deal for Spurs to to go at Old Trafford, but you've won there twice in the last 25 years. You know, ultimately, if you win this game, you're going to be ahead of us, but I don't think Spurs are catching City. At the moment, I don't really think United are catching City either. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, you know, it, it goes right back to that thing of let's get something tangible. Would you rather win the League Cup and finish third or not win the League Cup and finish second? I personally would say, what's the difference between second or third? Hell, I would say, what's the difference between second, third, or fourth? Because if you have a squad as big as United's, it's not a big deal to play those extra games in August and let the squad players actually play against those minnows of the Champions League when you qualify. It's going to be interesting. If I were Spurs, I would hold out Harry Kane so that you could try to get... um, so you could try to get a point against Real Madrid. Uh, I do think they are playing with house money against Real Madrid be- uh, next week in the Champions League because of the fact that they already took a point off of them. And if you asked any Spurs fan prior to the Champions League, you know, if we said you're going to get one point against Real Madrid in two matches, would you sign on the dotted line? They would all do that. So I would, it, as a precaution, I would hold out Harry Kane. But... Yeah, when United put their full-strength team out there, I don't know how good they're going to look because everybody's hurt. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how things shake down. And with that, we'll move into the scoring predictions. And this is the first game up, 7.30 a.m. on Saturday. I'm going 1-1 draw in this one. Am I meant to pick second on this? I'm assuming so. I think United are going to bounce back and win. I think they're going to win at home. I hope you're right. Yeah, the thing is, it so much depends on Harry Kane's fitness. Like, if he's not playing, it's a United win or a draw. If he is playing, uh, it's harder to say. I'm going to say 2-1 United. And then before Pauly gives his answer, we should say that Pauly's in the lead with 70 points, I'm in second with 60, and Elliot, you're in third with 53. 
Gano. Elliot two points there. <laughs> Elliot did beat us last week, though. That was just, yeah, yeah, that's what I say. Picked up all two points. No, I picked up six points. I mean, Elliot picked second there because I was stalling. I didn't have my sheet open. Uh, Pochettino, no, I, I never. But I, I, by picked up two points, I mean I gained two points on, on Polly. I gained oh. six points on you, said. But yeah, yeah. Come on. You gotta, Polly's in pole position. You got to get past me first. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Pochettino's never won an away game against Jose Mourinho. Harry Kane has never scored in August or at Old Trafford. Um, Tottenham have won twice in the Premier League at United. One time they had Quint Dempsey on it on their team. Both times they had Gareth Bale on their team. Neither of them are going to be there this time. United win 1-0. Okay, then we got Crystal Palace against West Ham. I'm going uh, 3-0 West Ham in this one. Oh, wow, that is bold. I mean, we said that last week when he picked Tottenham, and he he didn't even pick enough goals for Tottenham. No, I gave Liverpool too many goals. That's what oh, no. the wrong oh, point yeah. was. I keep thinking they scored a fifth in the no. end. This is, I mean, this is Palace at home again, isn't it? Yeah, I don't yeah. care, though. They're very, very poor. <laughs> Good enough to beat Arsenal. <laughs> Good enough to beat Chelsea, excuse me. Um, Probably good enough to beat Arsenal, too. Hey. Yeah, well, let's be real. Hey, oh. hey. I just, I don't see West Ham marching in there and knocking three in. I'm, they pulled off a fantastic comeback against Spurs, but that doesn't mean that I'm, you know, I, I said at the beginning of the season that I think that West Ham are ultimately and eventually going to put it together, but... Until I've seen evidence of that after how shambolic they've been heretofore, I'm not convinced that they're there yet. They might win. I don't think they do. They'll get a goal. It'll be a 1-1 draw. If two crap teams played a soccer game in London, would anybody notice? Oh, yes, they would. Because it's I decided, I decided my strategy this week going into this games were going to be I'm going to not so much pick four teams but I'm going to pick against teams and one of those teams is Crystal Palace you're not going to win but also West Ham you're not going to win and they happen to be playing with each other playing against each other I don't think it like I in in all honesty it should be a nil-nil game and and a draw but I'm going to I'm going to zag here and, and go 2-0 to Crystal Palace oh okay because yeah. because why not be different yeah why not uh, then we got Arsenal at home to Swansea. Uh, is everyone everyone uh, fit and ready for a fight as far as the top three goes for Arsenal? Yes. 3-1. I really want to believe that they're actually going to keep a clean sheet this time. Well, the beauty of predictions is you can. You can. Well, I, can <laughs> I can believe. It doesn't mean it's actually going to happen. Yeah, I'm... No, I can't do it. I don't believe it. Two on Arsenal. Three nil. So there's that clean sheet. Then we got Liverpool at home to Huddersfield. Huddersfield coming off a win against United. Ooh, that was at home for them though. Nah, I'm gonna save here. Two nothing. No, they, Liverpool won't keep a clean sheet. Three to one, Liverpool. God, this game's wild. I mean, this could easily be a one-one draw too. I'm not referring to the Liverpool Hunters. <laughs> it can be a wild game. Wild game. I'm watching really, really, really awful penalties being taken in the MLS Cup. Playoffs. Oh, is it the the Atlanta? Yeah, Atlanta Columbus. Yeah, there were there were about a million a million really good chances to score in this game, and it's nil nil going to penalties and. 
Uh, we are in the fourth round. There have been four missed penalties so far and three made penalties. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's pick up some speed here, boys. There it is. <laughs> oh, wait, make um, your pick for a water's field. Oh, God. Uh, 2-2. Two, two. Nah. Yeah, 2-2. Two, two. 1-0 no Liverpool. There we go. I'm still going to pack the bus. Watford at home to Stoke. 2-0 Watford. Yeah, I'm just going to – I'm going to piggyback that. Yeah, Watford. It seems right. Obviously, Stoke good. are going to get a point, but – yeah, Watford sneaky good. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, they're sneaky good, and I think that already punching above their weight, it's going to be one-one, and they'll take all them points. Then we got West Brom at home to Manchester City, four-one City. That's that's cute. That's real cute. Do you think West Brom will score? Yes. I'm gonna go with they, <laughs> they, they muck, they muck up the. Uh, they muck up the field enough to prevent City from like going full. Uh, I I could see City scoring five or six, but I'm gonna go three, three nil. Your conservative three nil uh, choice. Yeah, I mean, away game, West Brom. Yeah, I last time I was right by going one under. Will I be right again going one under? I can't give West Brom a goal. Two nil. Now we got Bournemouth at home to Chelsea. Two nothing away win in that one. Chelsea two nothing. Uh, I'll give Bournemouth a goal, but I still say they lose three one Chelsea. I'll go. I'll go two one. Then Brighton at home to Southampton, one one. That's a scoring prediction. That's how they should be made. Right into the point. Uh, I'm gonna give Brighton. Oh, I hate basing it off past results, but I'll give Brighton the win. Two nil. Two one. Oh, I hate giving... I'm sticking with it, but I hate the fact that I just gave Brighton all the points. Hate it. Hate it, hate it, hate it. Uh, I'm going to, you know... Oh, God, but Burnley-Newcastle, that could be it, too. Oh, maybe there'll be two of them. Nil-nil draw. Then we got Leicester at home to Everton. Wait, um, who else did you nil-nil to? Because I did not write down a nil-nil. He's going to do nil-nil between Burnley and Newcastle in the last game. Um, oh, Nostradamus over here. Uh, so, yeah, Leicester at home to Everton. New manager effect. So, two-to-one win for Leicester. Uh, yeah, I'm piggybacking that one, too. It makes it makes too much sense. I don't know. I, I think it's going to be a one-one draw. Hmm. And then Burnley at home to Newcastle. one nothing Burnley. Give me one nothing Newcastle! Ah, perfect parody. Because I parody. Be different and because Burnley's home form isn't that good. Ah, we'll see what happens. Uh, now, quick final thoughts before we round off here. Pauly, off you go. Am I the only one with a final thought? No, but you get to go first. I'm going to go last. I like going last. No, you get to go All first. Right. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, like I just said, I'm watching some terrible penalty kicks uh, in the MLS Cup playoffs. Uh, it's out over. Columbus apparently advanced. Uh, that was the yellow team from what I was seeing. Uh, we all know I'm a big soccer snob, and I don't watch the MLS too often. I love the MLS playoffs. Love them. They're crazy. They're wild. Uh, weird crap happens. It's not good soccer by any means, but it's it's freaking hilarious. It's fun. A lot of goals and everything. MLS, I'm trying to help you. Why the hell are these games being played in October and November on Sundays uh, during football season or in the middle of the week during the World Series? Play these goddamn games in May. Switch your schedules. 
it comes back to, you know, right now when these games happen, no one's watching because you're either playing them on Saturday when there's college football or you're playing them on Sunday when there's the NFL. When you go to May and, you know, Fox does their doubleheader, you know, they have the, they have the FA Cup semifinal, and then they say coming up after this game is, is, uh, is the MLS. And, you know, you watch a great game that means so much, and it, this has happened to me before. And I'm like, you know what, I want to keep watching soccer because that was a great game, and there was so much on the line. And then it's like, hey, uh, you're now about to watch an MLS game where, you know, one team is 2-0 and and one team is 1-1, and and really there's absolutely nothing on the line switch your damn schedule play these games in may it would be so amazing if you had an fa cup semi-final followed by the mls cup playoffs that would be wild people would watch people would tune in this is the one thing your league does really well and you can't get out of your own way hmm. nice point there Polly. mine is about luke shaw and being in the frozen tundra that is the cooler uh Jose Mourinho's basement and uh, now he says he or he has revealed in an upcoming book that he would like to work with Maurizio Pochettino once again so we'll see if uh, there's been some rumblings of a little switch deal there between Shaw, yeah, I, Shaw I going to Spurs and to, uh, Danny Rose <laughs> yeah Danny Rose going the other way because uh, he wants to be closer to his mom So we'll see what happens in January. Doesn't seem too far-fetched. It's a shame, though. I always liked Luke Shaw, but haven't haven't gotten a fair shake here with uh, Mourinho and obviously plagued by injuries, too. So we'll see what happens there. Elliot, do you have anything on your mind? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's coming again from the AGM for Arsenal. And it just, to me, it anyone... Many ways in which this football club are run bespeak a general, at least disregard, if not even active distaste for the fans at large, which is infuriating. And it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately in terms of ownership models. And the AGM brings that up, right? Because there are still some major minority shareholders who hold a small stake in this club. And I mean, I grew up in Wisconsin as a fan of the Green Bay Packers, and I'm lucky just because that is where I happen to be born. But it is an ownership model where the citizens of Brown County own that team. And occasionally, they will sell a small stake at large in order to raise money, but they still have the annual shareholders meeting, the exact equivalent of the AGM. But no one there ever questions that anyone involved with the Green Bay Packers organization doesn't want anything less than the championship every year and that question has been on the table at arsenal football club since i can remember stan Kroenke buying this organization i mean it is infuriating and tragic but it just shows that this agm meeting was the last vestige of a minority ownership which i hope doesn't go away yeah it won't have anything more than that symbolic gesture of that minority saying, yeah, we don't vote for them to be reelected, but it nonetheless still means something. And I wish that more clubs had that ownership model across sports. There we go. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Nor and Paulie's P. Costello and Elliot is Keats was better. We'll talk to you again on Monday. Until then, have a great weekend. Bye-bye.
wonder how on earth did that happen?